Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. I'm Tom Hammond. Uh, I've been in uh, mobile gaming for about 10 years now, uh, a lot doing uh, monetization and stuff with a number of different games over the years. Um, Yeah, UserWise is a player experience management platform. Uh, We saw a lot of studios just building the same things over and over again. Um, And most of the tools were really not great and really prone to, to breaking and and so we decided to kind of go out and gather all the different types of live ops tools that folks had made, uh, put it together, actually put some design around it, and uh, really make a great tool. So, you know, kind of like we've seen Unity, you're not going to go out and build your own game engine anymore. Uh, we believe long term folks can kind of uh, fill that need for running their game once it's actually live with UserWise. So uh, it's been kind of a, a fun journey. and getting a bunch of people kind of rolled on now as we've launched our early access product, which is super exciting and excited to see where it goes from here. Very exciting and very cool. I mean, it's uh, let's go straight into, you know, your your focus is on audience and on giving users an experience <laughs> that makes it worth sticking around. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, I think um, in the gaming industry, especially there's a, there's, there's a challenge, which is basically you need budget, right? You need paid. Um, and, and kind of everybody's default is to basically say, I mean, look at hyper casual is basically just like this huge industry that's just get you a traffic, grow it out, build it in. Um, do you think that that's the only way to grow an app? What do you do if you're not looking for a kind of totally paid marketing strategy? Yeah. So this has actually been something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it was even just like, I don't know, I was I was kind of dumbstruck reading uh, Facebook's recent uh, publication on like the state of gaming or something. I forget exactly what it's called. But anyways, in there, they uh, outlined some surveys that they did. And I, I don't know what their methodology was or statistical relevance and such. But um, they found that only one in four people are willing to try a game that they haven't heard of before. Now, if you let that sink in, if I'm doing all this paid UA on Facebook for some new game, three out of four impressions are basically just wasted. Um, that is a lot of wasted you know, revenue, you know, uh, yeah, maybe my ROAS will accommodate for that if I'm lucky. Um, but you're basically just throwing away money because these people haven't heard about your game. Um, so what are some different ways that we could organically have people thinking about our game or hearing about our games or sharing it with our friends? Um, <clears throat> I think <laughs> I remember Flappy Bird uh, coming out and, you know, the the way that I heard about Flappy Bird was from my brother-in-law who was like, dude, you got to check this out. Like, I, I just want to watch you play. Um, and I played and it was embarrassing. I was atrocious, but I got really good after a while, mainly because I wanted to like show him. But, you know, it was such a, a challenging experience that like I wanted to share that with 
friends and family. And I think I did. And he did that too. Um, and so, you know, if it comes down to seeing an ad for Genshin Impact, which a friend has passionately been like expounding about how amazing it is, uh, or some other game that you haven't heard of before, well, of course, you're much more likely to try Genshin Impact than, you know, this thing that you've never heard of before. Um, now, I, I think there's different ways that you can go about it. Like, in some ways, you can think about how do I design my game such that there are social elements? Uh, because that's ultimately, I think, the answer to long-term retention. Um, that's the only reason that I've ever stuck around with the game, you know, beyond... 30, 60 days or whatever, you know, at some point it's like, oh, I, you know, my guild relies on me. I've got to come in and, you know, hang out with them, do my, you know, whatever. Um, but like, how can you make it social? How can you make the game more fun by sharing it with your friends, sharing it with your loved ones? Because um, then, you know, they join in and the game is more fun um, among us. Great, great example of that. Um, so, you know, I think some of those things can be designed into your game. Um, sometimes you can have just like that challenge aspect where it's like, oh, this is so ridiculously hard. I want to see you fail or try to do better than this. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do on those, you know, game design things. But, you know, you can't always do that in a game. So that might not necessarily be the answer. Um, but I, I think there's a huge opportunity, again, getting towards like content marketing and different things that you could do on like social channels and stuff. Like when I think of, you know, Facebook marketing for games, like for the most part, it's literally just paid advertising. People aren't utilizing their Facebook channels for hardly anything else. Um, I think Wooga did this with like June's journey. Um, but they started doing like, real life events and other things within their Facebook. And they just saw like massive growth uh, come out of that um, because they were, you know, thinking creatively, they were using their Facebook and, and engaging with real people in a way that like made them want to share that content, made them feel good about things. I think there's a, a whole lot that you can do beyond just paid advertising. Um, I remember OBB, with their frag game, they did like a, uh, a thing with nerf. So, you know, co-marketing, um, and yeah, that sounds actually really fun. I enjoyed doing nerf wars with my brothers when I grew up. Um, yeah, maybe uh, I haven't checked out frag, but I can go and like shoot nerf guns at, you know, a bunch of people and maybe I'll get my brothers to join too. And we can, you know, recreate our nerf gun fights from when we were kids. Like, that's interesting. Like that's share worthy. That's, you know, getting on the, the growth hacking type stuff there. Um, but like, I think you can get a lot more creative than a lot of people. Like they just kind of fall into this, uh, strict paid UA trap, which don't get me wrong. I think paid UA has a spot and I think you always have to have it, but are there ways that you can fuel it and make it go further? Like if I'm doing paid UA and three out of four impressions are basically being wasted right now, is there something that I can do within the social realm such that maybe two out of four now actually have heard about my, you know, game before? And since they've heard about it, they're maybe more likely to actually download it and such. So I'm Alexi Gusev. Uh, as you have announced, Elite Performance Marketing and GGS. Uh, I come from Russia. 
you kind of might might hear that from my accent as well, or hope not, I don't know. Um, um, so yeah, a little bit about myself. I kind of started doubling in online marketing uh, back in Russia when there was not much of a mobile marketing at the time, but I kind of was already interested and it was more e-com focused and uh, like search engine optimization and so on and so forth. Um, after that, uh, we, me and my wife, we have moved to Germany for studies and for master studies. And then I have joined Otto as an online marketing manager, also working uh, there, partially like managing the agencies, uh, working uh, for the online marketing user acquisition and uh, working on the product side as well. So uh, web page optimization and the rest. Then I have uh, joined Inner Games, so the mobile gaming company, um, and worked at Ad Networks department, which was taking care of video, DSP network, whatever you might call them, as well as the native networks of Tabula's outgrains of this world. Um, then worked on paid social for quite some time. And uh, in the beginning of the last year, I joined GGS uh, to work. Uh, yeah, to work on the on, on their portfolio of the games as well. Awesome. Can you can you tell us a bit more about uh, how user acquisition is, is working right now for such games with, with these long-term monetization profiles where you're after these quality users and not just uh you know more eyeballs uh, like a hyper casual game, for example. Yeah, so as you have uh, already noted, like previously how it was done, that we have fed uh, very sophisticated algorithms of Facebook, Snapchat, paid social, DSP networks, uh, back with the purchases, back with the values, and that have helped uh, to optimize uh, towards the valuable users that we are looking for. Since the 82 rollout, unfortunately, we don't have the transparency of the data anymore, or, or we don't have the transparency of the data to the same extent or on the same level. Yeah, of course, there is a certain percentage of the IDFA users that still opt in, and we still get them, especially when you're running them on the higher levels. But for us, pretty much early on, that was the decision to double down on the scan and to try to understand it to be um, a bit earlier on the market to try to run proper campaigns uh, that are scan-focused. Um, and it's, uh, at, the, at the time or at the moment, it kind of run with its ups and downs, I would say. First of all, because of the fact that the industry was, even at the time, given the fact that what's like by the end of April, that was quite some time since Apple ha has been talking about that without many details though, but the industry definitely wasn't ready. Um, like Facebook algorithms were not prepared to take such a hit in terms of losing data. All the other uh, paid social networks uh, took bigger or lesser hit as well. For the ad networks, that was lesser an extent because the probabilistic, which is still existing. Um, anyhow, um, what we, given the fact that our games are monetizing usually closer to the day seven, or at least some of the games in our portfolio, we wanted to understand what kind of channels, even if not optimizing towards them, because uh, at the moment, for example, Facebook optimizes only towards the 24 hours of data on scan. So it, even if you have the conversion values up to, or conversion schema up to the seventh day, it doesn't really take in this information whatsoever uh, for the optimization that is. 
So I'm Alex. Uh, I'm five years already in the mobile uh, digital marketing. Uh, and uh, for the last three years, I'm managing the, all, all the marketing th things in, uh, in Nike. Uh, I, this is not just the user acquisition, but also the ASO and monetization side and some other live ops in and uh, community management things as well. Uh, so uh, we are uh, mostly popular with our fighting uh, game series named Shadow Pipe. Uh, this is one of the most downloadable uh, mobile games in the world, uh, which is uh, counting more than 500 million downloads worldwide, uh, as for now. Uh, and yeah, I think we have a lot of things to share with uh, your audience, which can be reasonable and useful. Awesome. Taking it one step further, I know that you're also uh, leading your ASO efforts. How do you view ASO's uh, role in the success of UA? I mean, if it's... Uh, if it is young TikTok audience, would would they need to see different messaging and creatives on the product page once they see it uh, when they tap on the ad? Um, are you doing some thinking in these areas? In terms of the product page on the stores, we really don't see any uh, significant difference uh, between audience reaction from other channels, to be honest. Uh, I think the reason number one is that we almost never, almost never, uh, tried to use the misleading ads. Uh, mm -hmm. This is, was our position, first of all. And when we just had some kind of idea about that and we tested just a few examples of the mis uh, slightly misleading ads, uh, we, we didn't find any performance or better performing benchmarks, which we met before. You're talking about these, these type of uh, ads that show gameplay that doesn't exist, like mini games that don't exist. Yeah. A, a lot of people are still doing this, by the way. That's my yeah. Facebook feed is full with uh, these ads. Um, and you didn't see good performance of that. Uh, we, we didn't uh, see a really impressive numbers for that, yeah. And at mm -hmm. the same time, uh, we felt not really really good inside the company in general because um, first of all um, we are always trying to keep the, uh, the, the user experience uh, on a high level. You can see the, the level of our games uh, and as for, as for us, they are not created for the, some kind of misleads, that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, and in terms of again, in terms of the quality of the games we do, uh, it's it's really uh, sensible to to use the real gameplay because sometimes the real gameplay looks like a misleading ad for many other games in the store. <laughs> yeah, because it's like almost like a movie or like a console game level, mm -hmm. uh, especially with our latest uh, latest title Shadow Fighter Ring. So in that in that case, this is. Uh, this is, was just not reasonable. Uh, this, by, by the way, uh, coming back to the UA, this is one of the points, uh, of the struggling points for us to use the uh, playable ads. Uh, mm -hmm. Because uh, the limitation and the requirements for the playable ads, the requirements of the playable ads are so limited in terms of size and quality that with our graphics, we are not able to produce good quality playables. And from mm -hmm. our view, 
we can't use the the ads which looks worse than the game itself. Yeah. So it it doesn't work for us as well in general. So we have some interactive end cards, but the playable ads like a big interactive uh, uh, item now. Uh, and coming returning back to the ASO, uh, so we we see that uh, when you have a um, honest and uh, well uh, well good quality produced uh, user flow from the ad directly to the store and after to the game and it bringing the common the common sense and the uh, the general idea very clearly to the user uh, we, we don't see uh, any changes or, or and at the same time, reasons to change something for any specific uh, type of the audience in the ESO. Because when we are checking our benchmarks, uh, because on Google Play, for example, it's available to check the benchmarks mm -hmm. comparing to your uh, category uh, competitors, uh, we see that for all our games, the conversion rates are always higher than the average and in most of the cases, even then, 75% of, uh, of the market. So, uh, and we are not doing something, I don't know, something unrealistic. We are just showing the game as is. Uh, and uh, I think we're just trying to easily explain uh, what is inside. And that's mm -hmm. it. And it works. So I'm Stefana. I work at Product Madness for uh, close to two years now. Um, I work in UA and I do a little bit of retargeting. Uh, most of my channels are um, self-approaching networks like Facebook and Reddit. Um, so before that, I used to work um, in an agency. So I had a lot of a lot of different um, verticals to look after. Um, and it's nice to be solely focused on gaming now, which I do quite enjoy. Um, and before that, I used to work um, mostly in branding for um, big brands um, like Marriott and other hotel chains. Oh, big shift over from Marriott, uh, Heart of Vegas and, and the world of gaming. Yes, 100%. <laughs> when you look at an early, you know, a lot of your games are pretty longstanding, but when you look at earlier stages in an app's life cycle, um, which typically tend to fall entirely under the product domain, where do you feel that UA can come in and assist in the world of pre-launch, soft launch, you know, whatever you have going on there? Um, so I actually have worked on a soft launch not so long ago, um, and um, there are possibly other news coming uh, around about our other launches. Um, so... Softland was a really exciting time for me. It was going from um, advertising at a large scale and looking mostly at revenue metrics um, to looking mostly at retention in tier three markets um, and uh, basing your um, advertising spend on um, which countries your partners help you identify as the potentials for benchmarking your um, day one, day seven retention, your longer term retention, and then moving on from that to something completely different and then looking at your monetization, uh, whether it's tier three or tier one um, markets, whichever you are uh, trying to expand that. Uh, but that was a lot more 
um, work with product than you do on your daily basis. And I think it's a good learning for probably every marketer um, or everyone who works in marketing or advertising space. Um, that helped, I think, the whole UA team establish more of a connection to product, which um, is a good thing long term. Um, again, the soft launch and uh, any other tests that you do afterwards are not um, entirely under UA control because uh, uh, the creatives, uh, the game economy, the um, user lifecycle, most of that is just decided by product and they have the specific APIs that they need to hit, um, whichever market you are in and specific benchmarks, but your partners can help you a lot with that. Um, for us, it was mostly looking at the basic metrics of uh, CPI and retention, uh, which is what you start with for soft launch, but it was a really good and um, interesting learning. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve App Store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, thanks for listening.